Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the They Came From Beyond rules by Onyx Path Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to themes for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include various hijinks, mature language, and possible show rewrites. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may or bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. And now, on with the show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm Miranda, and tonight I will be your director. As we begin our delve into the They Came From series of role-playing games from Onyx Path Publishing. We're going to be kicking things off today with They Came From Beneath the Sea, a game which evokes all the fun of 1950s and 60s sci-fi horror B-movies. First and foremost, though, I'd like to thank our listeners and especially our Patreon supporters, as well as Onyx Path Publishing, for partnering with us for this series. And now, on to the show. Our film opens on a stormy night, with the characters in general setting appearing to be the mid-1950s. A red Chevy Bel Air sits in front of a small motel, the sign out front reading The Sleep Inn. The sign flickers as thunder booms in the background. In fact, all the lights outside of the motel seem to flicker for a moment, as a man is seen running from the motel office back to the car, his arms pulling his jacket up to shield him from the rain. He opens the door and slides into the driver's seat next to a woman. Man, this storm really picked up so fast, Terry. I think we're lucky we made it to town when we did. Yeah, you ain't kidding. It's came out of nowhere, but uh, I think it's fine. We're here now. I'll just pull around. I'll get you close to the door. Yeah. Uh, well, do you think we'll be able to make it to the city on time tomorrow? I uh, I don't want our flight to be delayed because of the weather. Uh, it should be fine. It should be. We're not too far away, and uh, we can just leave maybe an hour early if we have to. Uh, place has a, a little coffee maker inside, so we don't even have to stop for breakfast. Oh, good, good. Okay, yeah. Um, we pull pull around and yeah, let's hurry inside. I hope the bags don't get too wet. We'll grab the bags and uh, I'll race you to the door. I love you, Daddy. Oh, I love you too, Terry. And I do that thing. I pull the car around and head over to the uh, door of our motel. Terry's the or Terry. Daddy's the kind of gal that will open her own door too. She's a, she's almost to beat you to the back of the car, opening up the trunk well, and grabbing bags. I, race around the front of the car as I often do to try and beat her to do that um, and we laugh. Not a lot but we, there's just a little bit of a chuckle as that scene plays out as it's played out so many times in our wonderful happy marriage and then yeah I run back to the trunk of the car, I pull out some bags, I hand her a couple, I take my own and we run over to the door. You get just about to the door of the motel when you hear Dottie scream behind you. Oh, careful, careful. And I look back. Uh, you don't see Dottie. The rain is the rain is really, really coming down. Well, Dottie, you drop my bags, walk over. Are you, you okay? Where? It's only a few feet. I walk over back to the car. As you walk around to the back of the car, you see Dottie's bag lying on the ground, broken open, and one of her shoes next to her bag. No sign of Dottie to be seen. Dottie? Dottie? calling out. She couldn't have gone far. Looking around. There's no Dottie to be found. And as Terry is standing, calling out for Dottie, the camera pulls out 
and pans across the nearby buildings as the rain pours down, lightning flashes, and on the screen appears the title card reading, It Came From the Eye of the Storm. Starring. John as Scott Kennedy, young up-and-coming small-town police officer who uh, just made it out of the academy trying to fulfill his father's legacy as a big city cop. But all careers got to start somewhere. Guest starring. Martin, who's playing Edward Stein, a high school biology teacher. Bit of a strange guy. Likes studying meteorology as a hobby. Featuring. Rena as Blake Masterson, the flashy, alcohol-addicted, very, very wealthy young journalist hoping to make it big with a huge story from this small beach town. And special appearance by... Nate, playing Terry Bruce. Run-of-the-mill, everyday, every man who suddenly finds himself running a restaurant in this town that he never planned on stopping and living in, but that's what life had in store for him, I guess. A screen wipe moves us to a small restaurant overlooking the ocean. A sign outside reads, The Rusty Sardine. And we see the same red Chevy Bel Air parked around the side of the building. Clouds appear to be building over the ocean. And we cut to the interior of the Rusty Sardine. As regular townsfolk are enjoying a nice late lunch or possibly an early dinner, our whole cast is present along with some other well-known faces around town. Mayor Curtis Campbell and his wife Carol and the young aspiring journalist, Deb Ricardo. Order up, ding, ding. Jesse. Hey, oh, hey, hey, Doc, yep, I got it. I'll, I'll uh, this one's, yeah. This, uh, oh, it's Mr. Mr. Stein. It's oh, just, yeah. uh, sorry, I'm always getting my orders mixed. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm learning, I'm learning, Doc, I swear, I'm learning. I'll, I'll pick it up. You're doing great, Jesse. You're doing great, Jesse, don't you worry. It's, you'll catch it, you'll get it. Oh, thanks, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you gave me a, gave me a shot. After uh, after Al over at the the malt shop let me go. Yeah, that was quite a was quite a predicament you got yourself in there. I've never heard of such, a, but it's fine. We don't have any of those mixers here. You're gonna be fine, Jesse. Jesse goes to take take the order over to Mayor Campbell uh, and his wife. He'll kind of make a make a little pit stop on the way back to the counter. Uh, hey hey, Mr. Stein, uh, we got we got that test coming up. Uh, I'm on, on Tuesday, huh? I'm sure you'll do fine. You've been studying. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, do you think maybe I could come in, come in early and uh, get get uh, maybe get a little a little help? Well, I don't know if I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that I, you, you um, get me another slice of that pie. I'm sure sh- I'm sure that'll be fine. Oh yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'll have that right up, right up, Mister Stein. Yeah, and um. You know, it doesn't seem too busy in here, so uh, take yourself a minute and, uh, and pull out your book. Get a get a bit of revision in there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Jesse, just... order up. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, uh, uh, th- Mr. Sign, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, don't forget the pie. Jesse, order up. Jesse. Jesse's balancing carefully, balancing plates in his arms when uh, Millie Baker, seasoned waitress of the Rusty Sardine, shows up. You hear a little bell ring as she enters the front door. Hey, Doc, sorry I'm late. Uh, there's another storm rolling in. The wind's, wind's really picked up. A bolt of lightning flashes and the lights in the sardine flicker a bit. I think I look up at the lightning flash, stare out the window, distant for a second. And, oh, thank God. 
Blake, uh, Jesse's just getting a little overrun. You're going to do uh, halves, so um, you're going to you're going to be on the evens. Um, and here, can you take these? Uh, we got a couple orders here. I think one's for uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy over here, and I think one's for Blake. And um, yeah, just help Jesse out. He's you know he's distracted. No, you you got it, you got it, Doc. And she nimbly just like scoops up all of the plates. She's one of those waitresses where you are you not, I'm not sure if she has extra arms or if her arms just have extra joints so she can hold all of these plates that are teetering at any moment you think they could drop, but she has never dropped a plate. And she hands them out to each table. You know, she has multiple orders in her hands. Uh, uh, hey, Deputy Kennedy, you, uh, I guess, get any good traffic stops there's, uh, around town lately? Is you help any, help any kittens out of trees or? Uh, well, I, uh, was a puppy and he did get caught in a storm drain uh, with the weather coming in. Like, oh my, it, it, did you call the fire department? What well, I, regulations say I'm supposed to, but I, and he just looks a bit left and right and he just like leans and he's like, down there myself. And I got that little fella out. He, uh, he looked at me with his eyes and they were so human. So, 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 so full of emotion and I couldn't help it. I climbed right in and got him out. Uh, that's that's the point when the sheriff had to throw in a rope and get me out. But you know that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, he told me take an hour and then we're gonna go check all the roads for this uh, for the storm coming in. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be pretty good. Um, I'm really looking forward to maybe saving some lives during the storm. Just, I mean, hopefully nobody gets in any danger first. But if they do. And he shoots a finger gun. Just, I'll be there, ready to help and ready to do whatever needs to do it. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that the town can rely on the sheriff's department um, to handle us during the storm, uh, Deputy Kennedy. Uh, well, but I got to deliver the rest of these orders. Uh, okay, thanks. Oh, hey, hey, uh, um, Blake, uh, how, how's it going? I see. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Hey, Deb, you hanging out with with Blake today? Pull my hat up from where it's been over my eyes. Look very hungover. Yep, we're hanging out. That's what we do. A young, uh, aspiring journalist, Deborah Cardo, speaks up. Yeah, we're all all the time. I'm just. We are waiting the next big break. We're gonna we're gonna really put we're gonna put this town on the map, Northbury. It's going on the map. Me and Blake here. Me and Blake. More coffee, black, strongest you got, please, Millie. Millie winks at you because Millie knows what you mean by strongest you got. Oh, yes, she does. <laughs> Gotta stay awake through this storm, you know. Oh, you got it, Blake. Just in case something happens. Deb, shouldn't you be home with your parents right now? Or something. Ah, oh, Blake, my parents will be fine. They'll be fine. They, it's fine. They've it's been plenty of storms. Plenty of storms. Oh, oh, storms. They'll be fine. They know I'm, I'm safe with you. Uh, even though you know we're gonna get ourselves in some danger. That's what that's what it takes to get a good story, Blake. Okay. If you're sure you don't need to be putting up storm windows or something. Coffee. Just pleading. Yeah, Millie. Yeah, <laughs> Millie will go behind the counter get you another coffee and, and kind of reach under and grab a little flask to spice up your coffee a little bit. Oh, that's the stuff. You're a gem, Millie. Would I notice that, Miranda? I think you would. Hey, Millie, Millie. 
Go yeah. easy. Go easy. I mean, deputy's right over there. I mean, that's a generous to call him. De- I mean, I know we have to call him Deputy Kennedy, but. Man, it's his title. It's respectful. I mean, he, however he's earned it, he's earned the title. Okay. Yeah, I, I hear you, Doc. I hear you. I understand. This is a straight and narrow place. Well, I just don't want to get caught, I guess is is all I'm saying. The camera pans over to Deputy Kennedy, who's like just horsing a burger. Imagine at some point Deputy Kennedy starts to choke and <laughs> someone else has yeah, to Yeah, as they're, as they're like, no, no, you've got to refer to him as Deputy. <laughs> Jess, Jess, it's your turn. It's your turn. Yeah. Go ahead and pound on Kennedy's back. Holds up a hand. No, don't need help. I'm I'm a cop. I don't need help. I'm I'm a friendly local neighborhood small town deputy. I got this. I got this. There it is. Okay. <gasps> Blake groans and pulls their hat down further over their eyes. Deb's waiting with a with a pen. Write this down, Deb. Local deputy nearly chokes, but stops in time. Deb gets a good laugh out of that. Some time passes. The, the storm's really picking up. And uh, you can hear it beating on the roof. And Mare will stand up. And folks, I hate to hate to stifle your business here, Terry. But um, I'm thinking we should probably get back, get to our homes. Uh, this one's this one's really, really picking up out there. And uh, it's, it's not going to be good. You, you don't want to get home to your families. Yeah, yeah, of course. Everyone be safe. Everyone be safe. And I'm, I'm closing windows, walking around the space, making sure everything's shut and tight, looking out some windows to check out the storm. Anyway, that's kind of dragging along. Uh, Scott's just like, come on, folks, you heard the mayor. Let's all go home for our own safety and stay out of trouble and not cause any work for the emergency services. Not just the sheriff's department, but also our local three-man fire department and four-man ambulance service. Note there's only two in law enforcement. Um, you hear Millie's plates are clattering as she's she's helping pick them up. Uh, Jesse's got one plate at a time because he's not quite there yet. You hear as kind of you're all distracted with your own things getting yourself together. The bell over the door ring again. And as you look over, rain's pouring outside, lightning flashes and High school football star Chuck Parker stumbles into the restaurant, drenched and terrified look in his eye. Deputy Kenny, Kennedy, thank goodness you're here. It's Betty. Something happened to Betty Wilson. Could you call someone? Could you call someone to go out there and look for her, Deputy? I mean, I I can radio it in and I can go look myself. Um... What happened to Betty or who happened to Betty? Oh, it's nothing like that. She's... Something happened though. We were, we were out there, and the next, the next minute, she was, she was gone. What do you mean gone? I turned around the wind, probably. No big deal. Happens all the time. People just, you know, wind's real heavy, rain's real heavy. Folks think left is right. Just happens. But this just happened right now in my parking lot. Uh, no, not in your parking lot. We were, um, we were, we were out, out by the beach. Uh, by the beach, where? Where? He looks kind of nervous to be talking to you about it. Chuck, it's important. Were you out by those caves? No, no, not 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 the caves, Mr. Bruce. No, we weren't. We weren't out by the caves. Um, you know, we were just. They going, were just making whoopee. Going? No, we no, we weren't. We weren't going for a. We were just going for a for a walk. Did you see anyone else out there? I know 
we get a roll out to see, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty nervous guy. So if uh, any of you want to roll a command or persuasion and presence roll. Because it's eight or nine or successes, right? Yep, or tens or two successes, yep. Which that's perfect because you failed, you'll get another rewrite. I got three successes, uh, one's a ten. Le- like, leans in, he's got the hat on, he's like, Now, ah, Chuck, you know what? Safety of the townsfolk's the most important thing to me, so... Oh, I understand, Debbie Kenny, but you're not going to be telling our parents, are you? Look, look, you and, you and your best girl were going for a walk down the beach, fine American tradition. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, I got to admit, Debbie Kennedy, we weren't quite by the beach. Um, we were just going for a walk, though. We were out at Makeout Point. Uh, I knew this nice spot, and I wanted to ask, ask her to go steady with me out there. Was it Makeout Point? Makeout Point is a pretty good spot all around, Chuck. Yeah, there were there were a couple other folks out there, too. But, you know, I was just I was going to take I was going to take Betty for a walk and ask her to go steady with me. And uh, the, the storm picked up something awful. It was pouring. I could barely see it. We were running back to the car, and all of a sudden, I realized she wasn't holding my hand anymore. I looked around, but I couldn't find her. De- Deputy Kennedy, you got to do something. It's not safe out there. All right, I'm going to radio this into the sheriff, and uh, look, then we might organize a posse. Go look for the young lady before things get heavier. Uh, get on your rain slickers, and we'll get some uh, flashlights, and we'll get this sorted. The bell over the door rings and tarries out the door. Mr. Bruce, please, you don't know how to act. I heard to operate the police car radio <laughs> as Scott follows him. Blake sighs and somewhat hopefully says to Deb, Deb, this is really important. I need you as backup in town. I'm making eye contact as best as I can with the hangover. If we both go out on this, I don't have anyone in town I can call when I really need help. Oh. That's you. Yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be your eyes on the ground here, Blake. Oh yeah, you're you're gonna do great, Deb. This is exactly what it was meant for. And when we write the story, you'll have all the the town gossip and stuff to fill it out. Where where we split up, and and we cover more ground that way. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start interviewing neighbors. There you go. That that's thinking like a journalist. Good job, Deb. Deb will start getting everything packed up to to head out home and to interview people that live in the direct radius. And as soon as she goes out the door, Blake releases a heavy sigh they didn't even know they were holding. (sighs) And downs another cup of coffee that's been doctored by Millie secretly. Meryl stand up. uh, Now, Chuck, Chuck, you you run along home. Son, your mom's going to be worried sick about you with this storm and... uh, you know, these fine folks here, they'll, they'll handle it from here. I'm sure whoever Deputy Kennedy calls will be right on the case. And I think Mr. Bruce is already out there looking for her. And I'll put on my duster and fedora uh, that were passed down to me by my grandfather, who was a federal marshal in Kansas in the 1880s. All right, Deputy, I can help. Just, I get... I get the the story if there is one. All right, but you don't get in the way. Also, if anybody does any heroics, you kind of, you know, take record. Maybe put a nice little... Of course, Deputy. Every single heroic thing you do. Uh, Mr. Stein, is this girl, this, uh, missing girl one of your students? 
Yeah, it's, it's about that. I, I was going to um, suggest that uh, I should probably help as well. She's, um... I know this is going to sound a bit mercenary, but not to put too fine a point on it. If she goes missing and misses this exam, it's... it's she's the best one in class. It's, it's really going to kind of drag the overall statistics down, so... I, I need to find her. We need, we need to, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Deputy Kennedy's just there nodding like, yep, that's, that's a reason. Uh, <laughs> don't care. Well, folks, get your rain jackets on and let's get out there. I, uh, Mr. Bruce is already way ahead of you in his, uh, apron and chef's hat. I, uh, <clears throat> didn't, didn't think he took a moment to get himself a, a rain slicker or nothing, but... And then there's, from the parking lot, is the distinctive horn of my 1950, I guess, one. And I roll, I've rolled my window down. I'm just shouting towards the restaurant after honking. And, Anyone want a ride? You better hurry. Blake makes their way outside with their hat down over their eyes to keep the rain out. Coming, Terry, coming. Sorry, Doc. I forgot. I'm just a little tired. I didn't sleep well. And I'll get into the passenger seat. Ed looks down at the table and uh, picks up a napkin, wraps his bit of pie up in it and uh, heads on out. All right, folks. Now, you all heard the heard the mayor. Head on home. Stay out of trouble. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow morning when this thing's passed. I, I don't know why my accent keeps changing, but I suppose I am a community theater actor who has just gotten a leading role. So now Scott's going to go back to the car and radio it into the sheriff. Okay. Just see him through the windshield, just... And the tires spin a little bit as I tear out of the parking lot and head definitively not towards our homes, but towards make-out point. Stay on that, Terry. we got to get there in one piece. Uh, Scott, before you, you head out in your car, the mayor's gonna gonna stop. You hear and have a little knock on your window. Oh, hey there, Mr. Mayor. Hey, uh, hey, Scott. You be, uh, you be real... Uh, careful out there, okay? Yeah, of course, sir. Uh, don't worry, we'll get this lady, get her back. As I said, folks get turned around in storms all the time. It's the high wind and rain. Yeah, Scott. I, I know you're new around these parts, but uh, people get turned around in storms pretty frequently out here. And, uh, well, uh, I just want to make sure that we can keep this quiet if anything happened to, to Miss Wilson. It's kind of a pause. Scott's kind of looking at him. He's like, well, I mean... Sure, sure. I wouldn't want folks to panic. Panic's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just radio it in when we find her, and uh, it'll all be swell. Yeah, yeah, Scott. Just, just radio, radio it in. The sar- the sergeant will know how to know what to do. He'll know how to handle it. Alrighty. Well, Mr. Mayor, I've got a missing girl to find, and uh, well, best be on my way. Follow off after Terry. Right enough, Mr. Stein. Um, you know that picture, and I'm, I slow down a little bit. You know that picture of the door in, in, in the diner? My wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I sort of let on that you know, you know, she died, and that's why I came to town. But uh, this story's got me a little spooked. It's uh, very similar to what happened to my daddy. Storm coming up real fast. Sudden disappearance. I never saw my daddy again. And I got to get there and see what's going on. Um, I know the deputy has it on hand with his police procedure, but uh, I feel like I got to get over there. So, uh, so I'm just I'm heading to make out point. I'm sorry. Um, I hope that's where you you, you two wanted to go, but uh, and I think I resume my 
almost dangerous speed. But, I, you know, I'm an everyman. I'm not going to get very dangerous. It's, it's right on the edge of the speed limit. Blake's taking notes on a notepad. Oh, this, this happened before. To Oh, I, did, I didn't know that's what happened to your wife. Yeah, my daddy, we, we, we were just passing through and we pulled into the sleep-in. It was a night sort of like this, except it was dark night. Dark and stormy and night, this yes. This day, but it was dark and stormy and the storm came up, pulled in, and we used to travel all over and oh, sh- swerve around a little bit uh, and pass Easy a car there. that's... Ow. I'm sorry, sorry, Miss... Ow! I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's just someone in the road, I think. Yeah, and we pulled up to uh, our, our hotel, our motel room, getting the luggage out, and I swear, between us getting the luggage from the trunk to the door of that motel room... My daddy disappeared. I never saw a trace of her again, other than, other than her luggage spilled all over the wet pavement and, and her sh- one red shoe, which I never could understand. It's, 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 it was a shoe she wore on our adventures, and it's laced up tight, and there it was in the parking lot. No foot in it. I checked. Do you think she might have been carried away to a mystical land full of witches and munchkins and other things? Now, Blake, I'm serious here. This is my wife. She disappeared, and I loved her dearly. This, I'm not, I'm not joking at all about any of this. Sorry. And that's all I've been thinking about every day since that happened, is trying to find her. You think she's still alive? I hope so. I hope so, but two years is a long time. I thought that's what happened uh, from where you came from before. I didn't realize that, uh, well, she went missing or died here. Well, you know, I didn't... I didn't want to show up and then suddenly be that that guy in town, right? I thought that would be a ruckus. And... But didn't didn't you? Th- I mean, the the, the 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 police department could have helped. I mean, maybe they would have found her. Could they? Believe me, yeah, I have engaged that police department to the extent that I am able. Before Deputy Kennedy showed up, it was just the chief, and he wasn't chief of anything really. Well, but he liked to call himself that. I think that's why he has a deputy now, so he can actually call himself chief without people laughing behind his back, because at least there's someone he's chief of. Like Snickers. Well, I know, I know, I know he's a couple of test tubes short of a rack, but um, he ain't that bad. He's a nice enough guy. I, I don't, I don't argue that. Uh, I'm beginning to think, though, that the police department doesn't really have any interview process or standards or expectations or requirements of their force. Uh, I don't want to, you know, that's mean. I shouldn't talk out of, uh, uh, out of turn like that. Um, I'm sure the deputy's doing the best he can. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, lo- local police and it's, uh, it's a careful balance between enforcing the law and irritating the hell out of everybody. So I don't know. Maybe they're a little bit too far to the right, if you know what I mean. But uh, yeah, it would be good if they did something sometime. Mr. Stein, why don't you roll me an enigmas and intellect? So that would be a total of seven. So I'm looking for eights, nines, and tens. Yep. I've got one, two, three. So I've got two, one nine and two tens. Oh, that's five successes. Really? Yeah, two tens counts as twos. Oh, cool. Very, very successful on this. There's not too much extra to be had, but 
you know, you know the kids, the kids that go to school. You, you see them out in the parking lot after school and in the morning. You know who has cars and who doesn't. It's awfully strange to you that Chuck walked into the. He seemed to have walked all the way there. I mean, you didn't see his car out front. Um, he had to have walked all the way when he ran from Makeout Point to Terry's. He won't say anything, but he thinks that's very strange. Very strange. And I've been counting, and we passed the exact same tree in the exact same house set 16 times, and I know that at 20 times is when I need to turn. So you will arrive at, uh, at Makeout Point. There are three cars here, fairly spaced out, that you can see for some semblance of privacy. There is a little bit of space, a couple bushes in between them. Uh, all the lights on the cars are off, though, and it's it's absolutely pouring down rain. Uh, you're not sure if just enough time has passed for it to become night, or if the storm is just so heavy that it seems to be night out. But actually, it was filmed during the day, so it, the, the scene is pretty bright, but with some, some films over the lens. Uh, but to you, it's very dark. Yeah, we got to comment on how dark it is, and... Uh how the wind is very howl- clearly howling, even though it seems to be quite a calm day in some shots. Yes, it'll be very, it'll go back and forth between being very calm and then they've obviously dumped water in front of a fan and it's just blowing sideways across you. Someone has a hose above you. We also have some uh, public domain storm footage, so... <laughs> Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the entirely wrong area, but yes, we do have footage of palm trees being blown in the wind. Yeah, there, there's some good B-roll. The waves crashing against these giant cliffs, and it's a small town. Everyone knows everyone's business. Do I see Chuck's car? Yeah, Chuck's car's there. I pull up just behind them. Pull right up behind it, lights on. Continuity. Yep, you, you both pull your cars up behind Chuck's car. Oh, it's pretty grim out there, but I guess we get a better, better get looking. Is that the kid's car? Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Do we see anyone in it? Doesn't appear to be anyone in it. I grow on that my trunk, pop it open, pull out my rain slicker. Very equipped as a everyman. Big hat, claw hammer. Tuck that into the back of my belt. Walk up towards the car. Oh, deputy. It's good to see you. Planning on murdering some kids there, Doc? Or repairing something that's broken. I mean, you just be prepared for things, Blake. It's it's just sort of how I am. Right. I'm going to go check out the car while they're talking. Yeah, I've had an entire costume change. I'm now wearing like a rain poncho, a police rain poncho that's bright yellow. I've got my flashlight. I've got my hat on over the hood of my poncho. So I've still got like the, the deputy's badge on my head forehead. Oh, hey there, Doc. Come on, I reckon we... So this is Chuck's car. I recognize it from all those times. You know, caught him up here before. Now, let's have a look and see what we got. She might have come back to the car. Deputy Kenny Kennedy bus kids at Makeout Point. What the worst yeah. person in town. Deputy Kennedy doesn't like busting kids at Makeout Point, but Deputy Kennedy's job is sometimes to bust kids at Makeout Point because the sheriff tells him to, and then he goes and does it. So Terry has taken one door. Deputy Kennedy has taken another door. I imagine that Blake and Mr. Stein have also taken their own doors. We've all got a door. It's a four-seater. 
you'll notice Eddie look up and then out of character he'll go, do you mind pointing that hose at somebody else? I feel this is unfair tr- treatment. Slips back into character again. Yeah, Eddie's totally an actor. We had fr- he, he actually had a very good career up until five years ago. And uh, yeah, now he's just doing these to pay the bills. You open the doors to Chuck's car, um, but you unfortunately do not find Betty Wilson in there. Dang. Really must have gotten turned around. I was also looking around uh, while they were talking, looking around at the ground, uh, seeing if, well, Terry mentioned that his wife's clothes and her shoe were left behind, things like that. So I'm looking for any similar events, evidence, etc. Because I like it so much for continuity, there is one shoe here. Dun, dun, dun. Is it red? No. But still. Dun, dun, dun. It's, it's like a tan. It's something a nice girl like Betty Wilson would wear. Doc, the shoe. And I point dramatically. Oh no, oh no, oh no. I run over towards it, grab it, look inside, look up, shocked. No foot, just like Dottie's. And then the fan blows my hat off and I get, God, would you? And then I position and pick the shoe up again, look at it, look up. Line, you really, this, the wind is, okay, one more time, third time. Look it up. No foot, just like Dottie's. And my face starts to crumple and I sit back down on the ground in the muddy parking lot, dejected. Blake does not know what to do with people who are being emotional, just kind of shoulder pat, they're there. I'm sure it's fine. I'm going to go look for more clues. Just very awkwardly getting out of this situation. I think we should head over there near the the beach in the caves. Perhaps the sea's got something to do with it. That seems like quite a jump in logic. I was going to talk to all these other teens. Also, see if they were naked. Also, maybe they are also missing. I don't know. They also might have seen... And (laughs) you see him like awkwardly like, Betty. It says bit. There's a someone holding up a sign off camera. Yeah, he he very obviously looks towards camera and just to the side of it, and he's like, "Somebody's seen Betty, and uh, she must be around here somewhere." So I'm gonna run off towards one of those cars. Come on, Doc. Let's go have a look closer down towards the water. I mean, if she got swept away or something, maybe by the wind, maybe she went for one of the caves to hide until the storm stopped. Blake just really doesn't want to talk to teenagers. I'll stand and follow Blake wherever Blake is going. So Blake, Doc, and Stein are going to go to the cliffside. And Kennedy's going to go examine the other vehicles. Yeah, harass some teenagers. That's, it's, look, it's a big part of my job. I, look, I barely passed school for, for being a cop. But one thing I picked up on was you got to hassle teenagers because... Someone's got to do it. It's the only way to stop teen pregnancies. Vigilance. Constant vigilance. Is that a 1950s condom brand? Constant vigilance. I imagine it's more an after-school seminar that parents went to at the the local high school. uh, Run by the PE slash health teacher. We'll do Kennedy first, and then I'll come around to the rest of you. Uh, Kennedy, you go to the second car. And there are no teens in this vehicle. Goddamn teens. Scott Kennedy is in his 
20s. <laughs> he is not an old man. <laughs> He's barely not a teenager himself now. Just like, damn teens. Oh, what if something happened to him? Oh, jeez. What would Pa do? And he just goes stares off, <laughs> says the scene in. He's just like, uh. actually, wait, is there any sign of the car being forced? Like the doors open or... Yeah, the, the passenger door is open. Uh, why don't you also roll me an Enigma's intellect? I would love to. Four successes. Holy poop. The, it, the strangest things, The you look over and the keys are in the ignition and they're turned to the on position, but this car is not running. The lights aren't on. There's no sound coming out of the radio or anything. Mm. A strange, a conspicuously dry and differently lit Scott Kennedy scratches his forehead. It's just like, huh, I'm not even going to check the third car. Maybe they're right. Maybe all these teens ran down to the caves for a cookout. And he's, he's going to run after the gang. Did you just jump to the conclusion that they're at a cookout in the middle of this giant thunderstorm? In a cave. Guys, Deputy Kennedy cheated in the final exam. He barely passed. You're not getting the best cop for your money. But you are getting the cop you can afford for your local taxes at work. If I, yeah, I see the lights aren't on the other car. I'm just like, oh God, they're having a cookout in a cave. Makes sense. Uh, you run over, rush over to where Mr. Stein, uh, Terry Bruce and Blake Masterson are overlooking the cliff. The, the, it's really coming down and it's clearly like a painted background <laughs> that they've added some kind of special effects to to make it look like it's it's raining there as you're looking out to try to see if you can spot any any teens out there. Why don't you roll me a survival cunning? Anyone that wants to roll survival cunning? I got three nines and a ten. You hear something rustling in the bushes next to you. Uh, off camera, you don't see it, but the audience will see a tentacle slip into the bushes. Hey, someone out there? What, you hear something, Blake? Yeah, th there's something moving over there. Where? I'm right towards it. I dive into the bush. Now, Doc, did you leave? Did you, did you and uh, Kennedy leave your cars running? Oh, yeah, I would have jumped out. Car running. Yep, Kennedy definitely did. I probably would have shut my door. Terry jumps in to the bush and hits the ground kind of hard, uh, but there's there's nothing there. But you notice as you jump into the bush that the lights on your vehicles begin to flicker and go out and then flicker a little bit. I just replaced those bulbs last week. I'm trying to think if I would even care. The music that you left on the radio is dying down. It's like slowing down and picking back up. It I think Terry would fully turn his entire body over up looking quizzically and then look, turn around totally to look back down at the ground where he heard that noise, giving ample time for some bullshit to happen. As Terry turns back around, lightning flashes in the background and the audience but no one else sees a giant eye looming, looking over Terry. There's nothing here. Blake, you sure you heard something? What did the kids in the cars say? There were no kids in the cars, and the batteries were run down. I checked both cars. There are no kids in the cars? No kids in the cars. Oh my god. My average is gonna be well down this term. Um, we should check the cave. Maybe they're in the cave. 
Hey, Eddie, at least you have a better chance at getting some good teacher reviews at the end of term. Um, I don't know what you mean. I mean, they were good, good kids. Uh, they, they were um, uh, real, real bright ones. They were, they were coming on a treat. I mean, they could tell you the difference between an amoeba and a, and, and a, and a I don't know, a frog. Uh, they, they were good. You missed out on amoeba and anemone? There's no way I could have said those two words together and not got myself in a pickle. Then why didn't you tell the scriptwriter that, Martin? God. I mean, what, what, what is this we're given to work with? I come out of the bush. I hope I didn't ruin your little fondue club reunion, but I'm going to check out the caves. Giving an example of the scriptwriter's prowess as I quip and then head down towards the caves. So we start in the bush and then we go to the cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't even you don't even make it to the caves. You start heading. There's like uh, this well-worn path that leads from Makeout Point down the cliffside and to the Bayside Beachside Caves. But you don't even get there because you hit the top of the trail and there is a shoeless foot attached to a leg, attached to the rest of a body across the path. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Deputy! Cue dramatic scream from sh- from Scott Kennedy. I just don't think it's in my character to scream like this. Um, you know, I'm... Look, guys, I know I'm kind of new, but I'm a serious actor, and I don't think my character would do something like this. It just doesn't make sense for me. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, Yeah, I know he pays the bills. Okay. Oh, my God! Is it a guy? Is it a gal? It looks like the best, best gal in school's leg. Oh my god, I've seen some aquatic nightwares in my day, but this takes the caviar. Okay, Scott, you are complaining about your screen, but have you seen the material that they're giving me here? Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. Oh. Look, it's, you work with what you got. They say it's good for the trailers, man. I, I'm too new to all this to know. I, I haven't even done TV like you have, you know? Um, I'm going to the union. You know, I think there's uh, these, these are these are these are, these are setups. These, these are for blooper reels. I reckon they're planning on uh, selling these to. Uh, as, a, as an offshoot, I bet we don't even get a commission on these ones. Can we just get this movie done so we can go home? Yeah, sorry, Rena, sorry. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, the best gal in school, although I am slightly older than them, so that's kind of... Uh, the best gal in school... Sorry, I, I dropped the accent, didn't I? Give me a second. Way to be a creep, John. It's in the script. I do what I can with what I'm given, Rena. I lean down and I'm like... He's 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 just working through something, so I know it's uncomfortable, but um, just give him a little bit more time. And I know, Betty, I'm sorry. And and then I give Scott a thumbs up, and then I get back, and I start to cry again. Uh, yeah, Doc, I'm starting to think you're not going to find Doc alive. There's always a chance. We can't give up. We have to, uh, and he just like awkwardly looks slightly off camera at someone, and he's like, we have to keep looking. Okay. Any signs of what did this to her? Is it just the leg or is it a whole body? Oh no, this is a whole body. Okay. <laughs> it started with a foot. As soon as Eddie catches that it's Betty, he he, he just, just yells out and screams, Not Betty! No! In a very unconvincing way. Is she the one who could tell the amoeba from the anemone? Yeah, that, that that's the ones. Definitely. I'm going to have a look and like Blake's just going to kneel down and look to see if did she get shot? Did she break her neck? What happened? Is she covered in sucker marks from horrible tentacles? Spoilers, John. It's in the trailer. This is all in the trailer. We haven't gotten to that part of the script yet, John. <laughs> yeah, they only give you one day's filming script at a time. Because they're afraid we'll all quit if we see the rest of it. 
Oh, I thought because they were writing it day by day. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> I'll take a, a science intellect or a medicine intellect. Okay. Two tens and an eight. I got four successes, too, on a medicine side. So I think if we're covering both sides of this. we sh- Yeah, we sure are. There's uh, Obviously, there's only so much uh, investigating you can do out in the rain with the dead body of, of Betty Wilson. But you, you can find some. You don't see any, like... Um, wounds that would have been inflicted by a gun or a knife or anything like that. You don't you don't suspect that this was foul play by Chuck or anything, but it's the weirdest thing as you're examining her. It would seem almost like her heart just stopped. There are these weird, almost electrical burns covering her body, tendrils out of electrical burns. And also some weird, it's, it's hard to say, the, the flesh in some spots is, is, is wrinkly. There's like a line down the middle of it. It seems wrong, changed in some sort, but you can't, you, it, with the rain coming down and everything, you can't quite tell what kind of, of wound it is, but it's not something that you've ever really seen before. And with all of your successes in both medicine and survival, you go to kind of prod at some of these wounds and one of them pops open and reveals a milky eyeball underneath. Yeah, let, let me get that. Let me, I, I gotta get a sample. I'll, I'll take it back to the lab. We can, we can, what the hell is this? Blake stumbles back pulls a flask out of their duster and just takes a huge swig. You realize there's multiple of these kinds of wounds on Betty Wilson. Let's let's have a look at another one. Quick, wait, wait hey, um, and uh, Eddie's Eddie's pointing at Blake. Go, Eddie, you, Eddie, this is a this is a dead teen. We have to get her out of the rain before we investigate. Well, I mean, she's she's dead. She is. We gotta show some respect. I mean, if if she's no good, if she's not gonna take the exam, at, at, I don't know. At least we might get a some recognition from whatever it is that's in there. Do you have a place? Do you have a lab? Yes, Eddie? I have a whole lab. And I'll lean down, Miranda, and I'll scoop scoop Betty up and start carrying her up towards my car. So Eddie, Eddie follows you really, really closely and he gets a, a pen out of his shirt pocket, finds another one of these wounds and starts prodding away, seeing if there's another eyeball in it. Oh yeah, it, it pops open too and another part is a partially formed this time. Doc, there's, look, there's another eyeball in here. Did you ever have the feeling he was being watched? I mean, I constantly feel like I am under scrutiny from... Oh, sorry, character. Oh, <laughs> Well, th- that's creepy. Can we cover those up or something until we get to the, air quotes, lab? Well, I, I guess so. I think if it's possible, I take the body to the back seat of the Bel Air, which is about the size of an average apartment in 2023, and set it down, and I get a canvas tarp out of my trunk, my well-stocked trunk, and I cover up the body respectfully. Lead on, Eddie. Yeah, there's a really good shot as we pull the tarp over the body's face, over Betty's face. Do you know where the school is, Doc? I'm going to go down and check those caves, see if I can't find signs of the rest of the teens. Why did you come all the way back up, Deputy? Because I wanted to make sure you were all all right. You're all my best friends in the whole wide world. 
Who wrote this bloody script? That's probably a perfect stopping point, honestly, for our game today. I, by the way, I choose to believe that the actor Martin behind character Edward Stein is a drunk. He's like Orson Welles at the end of his career, right? Like, <laughs> he's shown up on set, he's a little bit tubby, and he's just like, yeah, I'm here. What, what the fuck do you want? Whereas the actor Rena, who's playing Blake, while they think that the, the script is just nonsense, they're very committed to their part, which is why they get annoyed whenever someone does it wrong. Uh, so thank you all for joining us today on They Came From Beneath the Sea for this special director's cut of They Came From the Eye of the Storm. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.